I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I'm coming to you from a balmy Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging, perhaps under similarly balmy conditions, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Nah, I got air conditioning. No, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you and your air conditioning. (laughs) I gotta turn. I gotta turn all the damn fans off so they don't come. So they don't pick up on the mics. It's just. It's gonna be light and tight running through the July hiatus, friends, because we are trying to minimize the no fan time in this apartment, friends. This is episode two hundred and forty-six of the Geek Down podcast. If you would like to find any of our other two hundred and forty-five episodes, you can just go wherever you get your audio content: Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, Stitcher, what have you. All of our episodes are there. Have at it, and if you decide you would like to never miss a forthcoming episode of this podcast, because we are rapidly approaching episode two hundred and fifty, Kate. Pew, pew. Who else, who else out there can say they've gone this long with such small listenership? <laughs> I was I just waiting for it. I was just, I was like, he's get, there's something. He's going to say something. There's low blow coming. It takes a spe- <laughs> we are who we are. It takes a specific kind of dedication and naivete. <laughs> And blind faith. <laughs> to carry on like we have one day. One day we're going to get picked up by Luminary, y'all. It's coming. I feel it. <laughs> I feel it in the air. But if you want to start the ball rolling and never miss a future episode, when you go to any of those audio content providers, click like, follow, rate, review, subscribe, however you feel. And henceforth, a man who requires no justification, no platitudes. From the masses, he's coming through on the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip to deliver those episodes directly to your device. It's your man's Chauncey Basilicus the Third, geek down internet elf. Oh my God, girl! He just wants to drop those episodes into your device, and frankly, he doesn't care what you think about him after that. He just carries on doing his business. Yeah, like us. Yeah. This is why he is like the mascot of the Geek Down podcast. He just he does what he does. He doesn't really care what you think. Yeah. Wait, maybe this just, isn't a good way to run a podcast. <laughs> it's worked for Joe Rogan this far. It can work for us. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Sometimes I, I, I'm like, do people listen just to hear Joe Rogan say dumb stuff? Uh, <laughs> or be like amazed by by simple physics? Like, I just don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just want to do mescaline and eat elk meat out in Texas. And for that demo, your man's has got it on lock. Somebody uh, paid a skywriter to write Joe Rogan is literally five foot three in the sky in Los Angeles. <laughs> I saw this on Instagram today and I was delighted. Oh my God. Fuck that dude. See, wait, and, and those are the heroes we need in this world. It really is. It's about all we need around here. If you have, if you'd like to dispute our uh, opinion of Joe Rogan, I mean, go ahead. We'll mute you, but you can hit us up twitter.com at geekdownpod. That is where the show lives on the social meds, and the only place the show lives on the social meds, except no substitutes. 
If you'd like to support the, this endeavor financially, I mean, we appreciate it, but don't. Do not. Just because things are looking up, starting to starting to reopen a little bit. You're starting to take your first tentative steps outside. You're feeling a little good. Maybe you think you start throwing your money around again. Eh-eh. Save Don't no money. As Caitlin has said time and time again, you may need to melt your dimes down to form a spear or some other sort of <laughs> pointed weapon to defend yep. yourself and your family in the coming yeah. end times. Maybe just a large board with a, a spike through it. <laughs> so you will need those dimes. But if you have already made your arsenal, you feel satisfied, maybe you naively think we will take some of your dimes and fashion a weapon of our own. We won't. We'll buy candy because that's what we do. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> We're dumb. <laughs> you can buy us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Three bucks into the tip jar. Every donation is appreciated. Kate. Yeah. Before we get into the bulk of the show, we got to do a quick check-in with the shot clock. I feel like it should have its own theme song. It doesn't no have a theme song. Clock. It has a sting. You would know that if you if you ever listen to the show after we record. I don't because it sounds like I'm talking through a tin can. I use an actual shot clock noise. My God. That's the joke. It's a pun. It's a science pun. Oh, good for science. Oh, my God. We're both real punchy today. We're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid the Sunday sad. So we're just like, oof. <laughs> we're checking in with the shot clock because the the turnaround window between dose one and dose two in Ontario has been compressing with new information. Seems like every couple of weeks we get new information. Where like before it was like, I don't know, how long was it supposed to be? Like four months between your first and second doses or something. Yeah, and then people were like, that's not what we were told initially. And everyone was like, oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. And then it was like, we're if, like you, okay. if, you, if you were old and you got AstraZeneca, then you could get uh, your second dose quicker because all the AstraZeneca was going to go bad in the fridge. And it was like, get that get that into Meemaw's arm as quick as possible. <laughs> and now there's just kind of been this general, like the supply has really kind of caught up and the science has sort of refined a bit uh it's it's recommendations so the most recent update and this is why it matters because it affects me <laughs> this is why we bring it up because it affects me is that anyone who got a dose in specific areas that are being affected by the what the, the delta variant <laughs> Is that what it is that's it used to be the, the it's the delta used to be the uk variant now it's the delta variant or uh, that I don't know. Is it that one? I thought it was a. I thought it was a different variant. I don't know. It's either the the one from India, the one from South Africa, or the one from the UK. Who knows? But now there are these Delta hotspots, starring Chuck Norris. <laughs> Delta hotspot coming soon to showcase action. Oh, uh, jokes for me. Anyway, there are certain uh, public health boards that have been deemed Delta hotspots. Where apparently the case numbers are a little, they don't like them quite as much as they would prefer. So they are uh, prioritizing second doses in those areas. And one of them is Toronto. And that's where I live. And anyone who got a dose on or before May 9th, and I got mine on May 7th, as of tomorrow as we're recording, can book their second dose. So while I originally was booked to get a second dose in August, your man's going to be out here tomorrow morning trying to get a smooth June, July second dose. Yeah. 
And then I'm getting the fuck out of here and going to see my family. I am. They may do the same thing in Hamilton or at least push it up. Uh, But I don't know that for sure. So I'm just sort of like hanging back, listening, hoping for the best. So, I mean, we'll have more, uh, we'll have more information about our own personal uh, health updates as this goes on. We follow it so closely because it basically means it will, whenever, the sooner Kate and I both get our second dose, the sooner we can end the uh, Facebook audio era of this podcast. We're going on a smooth 16 months at this point. Yeah. Of me being stuck in this tin can. (laughs) She hates it. So much. I haven't been able to annoy her with drops in real time in over a year. It's ridiculous. Very upsetting. Very upsetting. And there are times, and I can't tell how Jordan feels about a topic because I can't see his face. Man, listen. If if you've come to this podcast in the last, like, year and a half, you haven't heard this podcast. That's what I'm going to say. Because the thing we're talking about, you're looking at the title, you know what we're talking about this week. We talked about this thing first, like, 190 episodes ago. Forever yeah. ago. And I went back and I listened to that episode to just be like, where do we leave off? What do we think? Blah, blah, blah. And when you hear, when you get a when you get a sweet taste of that Kate and Jord bobbing and weaving, that banter, that repartee, that punching each other sentences, like, you, you think, we're like the fucking Beastie Boys when we're in the room together. Like, you can't, you don't know. Go back, oh. go back and pick a random episode from like one, well, don't pick one. Don't pick like from like. Don't, a, don't pick, yeah. <laughs> episode, first five, maybe ep- just. Episode like 15 to like. Uh, 150, any of those, go pick any one of those and just listen to the crackle of our banter. That's what, that's what we got to get back to. So we got to get back to, I don't want to be one of these lame, like, you know, local news guys talking about two vac summer, but I'm out here for two vac summer, Caitlin. (laughs) Shit. I was out here for Uh, one vac summer. We officially have moved into phase one of reopening. It doesn't really feel like much of anything, but, but I, 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 I mean, I got a, I got a burn. So <laughs> you got a burn. Basically, it's outside? like any other summer that I, that I get to go out. Major Canadian retailer has reopened with fifteen percent capacity. Um, How's so that that's, going? Eh. <laughs> it's, it's odd. It's very odd. Um, what's even odder is just like, put it like this. Uh, it was record store day yesterday. One of these, like you know. They do a couple in the year now because they didn't want to keep people from coming all together at once. They don't do it on one day where it's just a madhouse. They, like, space it out. So this was the first one. They're doing one in June and one in July. Leo the Brazilian was like, you want to go? You want to head out? And I was like, yeah, it's the first weekend of reopening. Why not? Let's go check this shit out. And I didn't really go anywhere because we went down to Sonic Boom and it was, like, wrapped down the block. And I'm like, listen, I'm all for supporting small business, but y'all's is chump. That's not a thing we are doing today. Because yeah. the thing, the thing, like, listen, I've been on record <laughs> about Record Store Day before. Um, <laughs> oh, you're such a dork. About how initially it was a, you know, fit, really kind of small thing. It was like free comic book day to try and, like, drive foot traffic into indie record stores. And most of the, like, exclusive pressings were, like, from smaller labels and indie bands and shit like that. And then the corporation smell money and now it's like old men lining up for three hours to get in to buy another copy of Morrison hotel by the doors. Like that was literally like one of the marquee releases this year. Like if you're going to pay $40 for like a yellow reissue of something you can get in any 
$5 bin in the city, pull your head out of your ass, frankly. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> just, just do it. It's just jump. do that. Have you tried pulling your head out of your ass? It's a chump. Um, but I did have a wonderful dig. Leah and I bypassed Sonic because we were like, eh. We went to Cops, which is very close. They still had a lineup, but it wasn't that bad. Um, and right at the last second, I'm going through like the new hip hop uh, arrivals. And I find a copy of Schoolboy Q's Oxymoron and Thundercats. I don't remember the name, but it's the like first EP that has them changes on it for like, I got them both for 30 bucks. Ooh. I was like, yes, please. That's good. I was like, this, yeah. was, this was a really good dig. But it was the drive down there because in Toronto, can't, no indoor dining right now, just patios. A lot of these places in the downtown don't have patios, so they have made patios by extending out into like, King Street and Queen Street. Yeah, that's exactly what Hamilton did. And the traffic is like single lane now. But our traffic is better because we have a bunch of one-way streets mm. that you you already are going through the city really quickly. So they just kept that. That the, yeah, they just extended extended some of them out onto the road. I just don't understand. Like I want restaurants to succeed, but I don't know. Who wants to eat with the accompanying bouquet of bus exhaust? Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> like, there's no escaping it. You're in the middle of the road. Like, like uh, you're going to get, like, a cyclist snot on your meal or something. Or, like, <laughs> or like, like, literally nothing but bus exhaust. Like, it's just... It's not ideal. And shouts to all y'all who are like cool with it and want to support your favorite restaurants right now. Listen, I'm not going to lie. If I saw, if Ryuji's was doing that sort of thing, I might be dragging Kate down there with the utmost priority. I think that was the last restaurant I went to like a year ago was Ryuji's. Oh, wow. But it's, it's a weird, it's a weird scene and nobody loves a lineup like Toronto. Oh, oh man. Oh my God. Like. It's ridiculous. For H&M y'all. For H&M? Well, clothing, apparently, the lines for clothing stores. We saw, a, uh, I wasn't prepared. Um, Chris had had to go to a home hardware, Home Depot for work to pick up something. And he said the lineups were crazy. And he was telling me, like, for some reason, like, clothing stores are a madhouse. And I didn't quite understand until we went by a Marshalls, <laughs> of all things. Like, a Marshalls. And the the lineup was around the block. Like, I was like, for Marshalls? <laughs> <laughs> On Queen Street, it was H&M and Urban Outfitters were the two spots that were like, holy shit, y'all really want to line up for an hour for Urban Outfitters? Like, it's still... It's still very wild out there. I have a day off tomorrow and part of me wanted to like check out Sonic because I didn't get to go and I know there's not going to be a lineup, but also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're, I think we're Aaron on the side of Eve. Aaron on the side of if. <laughs> the, the, geek, the Geek Down podcast. Always, <laughs> always airing on the side of Eve. <laughs> Friends, there's, there is actually a lot of news out there today. I don't know how much of it is technically relevant for us. That being, uh, is it nerdy? Yes. Is it shit we care about? Eh. <laughs> like E3 is happening right now. So there's a bunch of video game news. Okay. 
It'll be like, hey, uh, cool. Yeah. I'll like playing that in seven years when I buy a PS5, maybe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Or I could just play old games again. I saw like a Chris put up some sort of like play with me or what I can't, I don't know what they're called, where you play along where someone shows you the game. And Let's play. It was, um, yeah, that's it. And it was a uh, um, Dino Tycoon, Dino Park Tycoon. Oh, yes. And I was like, I legit want to play that. <laughs> a Scott Pilgrim game finally got uh, unlocked from Wright's Hell. Oh. It's, it's available on the PlayStation and probably, I assume, the uh, the Xbox One or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. Um, yeah, because that one was somebody, Ubisoft or somebody lost the rights and they had to finagle that all out. Um, great little classic Streets of Rage beat em up style game. I played the shit out of it on the 360 back in the day and then it, uh, vanished and now it has mm. returned recently. Um, but yeah, E3 is happening. So, I mean, you can go other places if you want news about that. Uh, Netflix had a big, like, online sort of event called Geek Week, uh, where they rattled off a bunch of stuff about some of their anime stuff. They all the first look at stranger things season four, Castlevania, some of their anime offerings, uh, news about, you know, what, what is it? What's the shadow and bone? Is that the one? Yes. The one like it already got renewed, um, things of that sort. And I do have a snippet from that that I want to get to in a moment, but I heard something. I was, I was browsing for news today and I saw something and I went, Oh, I don't, know if she knows and then in the uh, in the pre-talk before we started recording kate brought it up so i'm just gonna seed the floor because kate yeah tuca and birdie got a second season it did and i'm really happy you were very into this show and very sad when it was sort of unceremoniously booted by netflix after one season yeah and i'm really happy there are smart people out there who can recognize just like pure unadulterated genius when they come across it. Um, this show is not for everyone and that's fine. Um, this show is very central or, or focused on um, women's psychology and what it is to be a woman in the world we live in. Um, it does, I think, do a good job of handling other issues that maybe, you know, men have to deal with as well, but definitely, and very much on, like, female friendships and stuff. Um, yeah, and it, it, it was just, it was such a, 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 one of those shows where it had so many moments for me that resonated, and I was very sad that it got let go, and I felt possibly got let go because it wasn't fun like rick and morty or you know a, always a barrel of laughs because this show has some really like their talks about you know trauma and and um and sexuality and stuff but anyways and then it, it left a uh, two pretty left left on a place where you know that there was more to come and that's the other thing right they they didn't wrap everything up in a season and then just get, you know, a chance to do more. There really was more there to explore. So it premieres tonight. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, it's already premiered there, there, I got it. Um, and, uh, it premieres on adult swim, which is a specialty channel. You can get on prime. I do not have it. 
Or cable. It's a cable um, channel as well. But Or cable, yes. Um, but ew, cable. Yeah. Ew, cable. Um, it's coming back nearly two years after it was canceled. Jesus Christ, it's been that long. Um, so I would, if you, even if you've seen the first season, you might want to go back a couple episodes or from the first season or do the first season over again um, before getting into second season. I'm not sure about that. I just, just a thought. Um, though this, the whole, you know, it's on another specialty channel brings me back back to this idea we had many years ago about when see we started the show i guess did prime exist please please don't make me say it i don't know that prime existed (laughs) because netflix for sure did Uh, we did i didn't have prime i know that and we talked a lot of and i definitely know disney plus didn't exist because uh, we talked a lot about how there are going to be so many streaming channels that people are going to go back to downloading things illegally. Um, yeah, when it when it when it hit, God, when it hit the point these... when it hit the point that monthly subscriptions to all of these streaming sites were totaling as much or more as a traditional cable bill, then that defeated the purpose, and you'd be anchor up again. <laughs> hitting the seas is that that where you're getting to well and yeah but i've had yeah i've had these moments where i'm like i really don't want to get apple tv (laughs) right but i really want to check out a show um so there have been moments where i'm like maybe i should just download it (laughs) uh which is not what streaming services want um no no. So, anyways, but Duke on Birdie, it is back. I'm sure you can find it places. And yeah, have fun. Watch it. You'll like it. So that's one uh, bit of news recently, although it was old news. It was news to me and is relevant this week. Um, the only item out of Netflix's Geek Week that made me pause, and as is often the case, involuntarily, moisture swelled up in my ocular cavity but someone cute does this thing often where she will send me things she finds primarily on instagram and includes the abbreviation itat which is is that a thing (laughs) because she will see something on an account she follows and it clearly means something to the person who posted it but she doesn't know what it is so she will message me and ask me is that a thing it's usually when like hype beast uh posts an anime related thing or something like that (laughs) and she sent me this clip that was uh it was a very brief clip, and it showed uh, John Cho and Daniela Pineda and Mustafa Shakir sitting around. These are the three leads of the Cowboy Bebop live-action adaptation yep. that Netflix is doing, including John Cho with his shaggy hair. And the theme song is playing, and they're all just kind of jamming to the theme song. And the graphic comes up, and it reads, There's no Bebop without Yoko. And then it played the little, like, high-pitched sax note at the end, the big crash at the end, and the title card comes up featuring original music by Yoko Kano. So exciting. And as this Kotaku, head, Kotaku headline says, Netflix Cowboy Bebop's existence now justified by new Yoko Kano music. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't want to say I'll go that far, but I kind of go that far. This is the closest to a chud I become. Um Bebop is so important to me, and I think it's just such a flawless piece of art. It's like, 
I'm trying to uh, let go and let God a little bit about this, um, especially if Yoko's doing the soundtrack, because that's so, so important. It's like I said, when those uh, FLCL sequels, giant scare quotes, uh, were coming out, and I was like, if you don't get the pills to do the music, what's the point? And then they got the pills to do the music, and I was like, okay, it's not going to be that, it's not going to be ultra terrible. It's at least going to have some bright spots because the music will be great. And that's now how I feel about this. Um, we have a potential air date window of fall. Um, right at the end of the little video clip, it said, see you in the see you, see you space cowboy font. It said, see you next fall. Um, so, I mean, I'm obviously going to watch it probably, well, yeah. probably in quick succession. Um, I don't want to be like every comment thread on all of them. Every time this video was posted, I don't want to be like every comment thread in it, but I'm, I'm skeptical. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how the mass populace is going to take to it. Uh, if you've never seen bebop, are you going to watch it and just go like, Oh, they're ripping off firefly, even though bebop came out a couple of years before firefly did and kind of both, you know, took shape independent of each other. I don't think I I, But they're stylistically very different, I feel. Yeah. Um, Firefly's a lot more, despite calling Bebop a space western, like, I think Firefly is way more space western-y. Yeah. um, Sort of thing. Yes, there are similarities with sort of like the visual look and things like that, but yeah, Firefly is, is, they are different. Um, Very different. But... I just, as much as I don't give a fuck about Death Note, I see what the Death Note fans <laughs> had to deal with. <laughs> how, how sad they were. I don't want to be sad like a Death Note fan. I guess that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Oh, they're kind of they're kind of sad in general. That's kind of Death Note's whole whole vibe. <laughs> that's, that's all. Yeah, I feel I feel bad. I don't want to brag on them. Huh. <sighs> terrible manga though. Speaking of manga, I just want to throw this out there. Now that I've been back at work, um, I'm sure there have been articles and such written about this, but I just want to give you the anecdotal evidence of having witnessed it both in like curbside orders. And now that the store is open again. Okay. Manga is bigger than ever before. Oh yeah. As a product mover. And like, there's a whole generation. So Chris's niece Mm. really into, um, my hero academia. Right. Like, so is all her friends. Mm-hmm. And they're all little. They're not, they're just like tweens, not even. And they're really in, and so they're getting into all this other stuff. And of course, they're finding the mangas and they're consuming, and it's crazy. There was a sale once at MCR, like a buy, buy three, get the fourth free on like one publisher or something. And my God, the kids have no problem parting with their money for manga. No. Get the fourth free? Sure. Demon Slayer. Haikyuu. My Hero Academia, like you said. Um, What are some of the other ones I see? I had a a young girl ask me for Bungo Stray Dogs today. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, wild. Berserk. Rest in peace to uh, Kentaro Miura, the creator of Berserk, who passed away uh, last month. The day after he died, somebody bought one copy of each volume of the like deluxe hardcover berserk. We had to put them in like a bot, like a shipping box wow. to take them out to his car. Cause they're that big and heavy, like just dropped mad cash on all these. There's like eight or eight of them out currently. I think 
Like, I am continually stunned at just how popular it is. We always kind of heard that in, like, you know, the comics, in, like, comic talk. Like, oh, Western comics, single issues, they're really falling, but manga is really, like, kind of surging. And now to see it, like, in the bookstore market, where I see it most, and, like, just how much product it moves is kind of nuts. Like, to the point where, like, My Hero Acad- the new My Hero Academia ends up on, like, a big new release table. Yeah. With, like, you know, the next book by the woman who wrote Daisy Jones and the Six or whatever. Like, it's her next book and My Hero Academia. <laughs> like, um, Okay, so, and this is weird because I love comic books. And I, I love anime. Never been interested in manga. I'm a snob. It's black and white. Can't do it. I can barely do it for Jim. That's I can, the reason why? Kinda, yeah. I can, And they never do backgrounds. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, yes, that's true. Yeah, I don't I don't know why either. Um, I know part of the appeal and why it's easier for kids to buy it is because it's on cheaper paper, um, which makes the little, you know, phone books cheaper to buy. Um, but they tend to, like, go on forever. Like, My Hero Academia is at, like, volume 30-something, I think. Haikyuu's in, like, the 40s. I flipped through one and realized that Haikyuu goes all the way to when, like, they leave high school and go to college. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, oh, my God. I just want to know who the little giant was. Jesus. Um, <laughs> anyway, manga's doing crazy good business, y'all. It's a good time to be uh, Viz or Kodansha or any of those, any of them folks. Moving on, Kate. Yeah. Well, uh... We'll do what we did during Falcon and Win-Win. I assume we both want to talk about Loki a little bit, but if you have anything besides Loki... It's your boy, David Sushi. <laughs> he put a penny in the crack of his backside. and Paro continues to be excellent. Oh, my God. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Um, also, though, it's one of those things where now he'll, he likes his food, and I always... At least one time in the episode, they'll have some shot of, like, chocolates or dessert or something really delicious looking. And so it's making me hungry watching that show. Um, So that's hard. Like, I need other reasons to eat. Um, Bad Batch. Mm. Good episode. Uh, They met up with Rex. Um, It's always nice to see Rex. Um... Freemaker Chronicles, which is like the silly Star Wars Lego, oh, it continues right, right. to be strangely well written. Like, yes, absolutely a kid show. I will never argue with anyone about that. But they just have these moments that are delightful and very funny. Um, and they 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 poke fun at themselves and Star Wars, and we really like stuff like that. It reminds us a little bit of um, oh, what was it called? I always forget. I bring it up every uh, every so often. It was done by um, Seth MacFarlane. It was called Star 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 Wars Blue Harvest. What? <laughs> no. It was basically no, the, it was the Family Guy. That's what the Family Guy. Uh, no, Star no, no. Wars but it was no. It, this was a show. It was called like Star Wars Twisted or something. Anyways, it was an animated Star Wars show right before they relaunched, like the Clone Wars and sort of started doing animated stuff for Star Wars. Okay. Now I got to look it up, but they canceled it and they've tried to, they buried it. But those of us who know, we know 
So it's called Star Wars Detours, and it reminds me of that. There's just like silliness, and it pokes fun at itself. And yeah, so that's always fun. Um, and besides the thing that we were both going to talk about, uh, that's it. Okay, so let's say let's save the thing we're both going to talk about till the end. End. Uh, the only other thing I really got into this week, uh, it was something I knew. I don't know if it came recoed from the homie pops, his wife, or she just told me that she was uh, watching it and really liked it. And then it got a second reco from longtime friend of the pod, Joycey Vogues, who was like, are you watching this thing? And I said, nah, whatever. I'll give it a few eps. And now I'm like eight eps in. So I guess I'm watching all of it and it will probably come back around on August Watcharama. And that is wonder egg priority, which is an anime from, I believe the spring 2021 season. And the, um, the, the bullet point synopsis and everything I'm about to say makes it sound a lot darker than it actually is. Um, <laughs> okay. It's content warning the anime, basically. It's about these four girls who kind of do magical girl adjacent things, uh, saving the souls of suicide victims. Oh. So they can save uh, a person in their lives who committed suicide or died. Um, it has twinges of Madoka in it a bit. Um although nothing as sort of nihilistic as Madoka could get. Not, not so far, anyway. Um, it, There's still time, though. It looks gorgeous. Uh, this is from Cloverworks, the studio that did, I guess, Promise Neverland is the most recent thing they did. Um, looks great. Character design is great. Voice cast is great. Like, half of half of the Love Life franchise is in this, game, is in this uh, show in some form or another. But... Uh, yeah, it's, I make it sound really dark, and it does deal with serious themes, and my worry initially was that it was going to be, uh, <laughs> when you're using trauma as Monster of the Week, that can get a little, mm. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. what happened to this week's victim? Um, it's not that, or it doesn't allow itself to get into that, um, where it kind of then shifts focus into the the four girls themselves, and less really getting into, like, really like rubbernecking at the trauma of the, you know, girls they're trying to protect sort of thing. I guess if that makes sense. Um, that's about all I want to say on it right now. I'm enjoying it. The season wrapped, but I guess they weren't done, which makes me wonder why they put a recap episode in the middle of it. Um, (laughs) if you needed a special episode to wrap up the story, cause you couldn't get it done in the 12 episodes. Why the recap episode? That's very strange. Pourquoi? Pourquoi Kate? Maybe they want to get people to read the manga? There is no manga. It's anime original. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm very confused. <laughs> Movie? So, yeah, there's a one-hour there's a one hour special that's dropping, um, I believe, next week. Uh, and should hit Funimation around then to wrap up the story. So I'm getting in right at the right time. I'll get to see how it ends with everybody else. Because you know I love to watch things for the discourse. Speaking of watching things for the discourse... To my surprise, to my surprise, Caitlin McKinnon was not saving this. She watched WandaVision week to week and was like, I didn't like that. I want to watch it all at once. I don't like waiting. And that's what she did Mm -hmm. for Falcon and Women. She saved it all. So I thought Mm -hmm. that's what she would do with this latest offering from MCU TV. And she was like, no, we watched the first episode. I said, all right, I guess I'll watch it. So let's talk about some Loki, Kate. Okay, what do you want to talk about? 
best fucking Marvel thing I've seen in forever. Cool. It's Inspector Space Time in the MCU, Kate. <laughs> you sound nonplussed. Uh, not, not, I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff that's... I have to say, Tom Hiddleston has crazy... Wait. No. Yes, Tom Hiddleston. Loki or the other guy? <laughs> Loki. Yes, Tom Hiddleston. Okay. I just for I thought maybe I was it was a different Tom. Yes, Tom hmm. Hiddleston has super impressed me with his work in this episode. Like I was very very impressed. Um it was a lot of fun. But I've seen a lot of stuff like it. So which it was part? Fine. Which it was part? Good. The time travel part, the uh, '70s office aesthetic as the uh, pinnacle of. <laughs> I mean, just look at Umbrella Te- temporal Academy. De- temporal like, design, like. Yeah, like Umbrella Academy also had like a time agency. Mm. Um, yeah, I liked that the the actors and the actors that the casting was great. Um, I'm really excited to see where it goes, which is one of the reasons I wanted to see the episode. Um, I think a lot of the first episode is what they used for the trailer. Mm. So maybe that's why I'm not as, I wasn't as like wowed. I was like, oh yeah, that well, was from the trailer. And it's place setting, right? There's a lot of like setting all the toys up before you can start moving them around type of thing. Yes. And they, and they have laid some, some mysteries down and that I really like. So yep. yeah, it was good. It was fun. And you know, I don't give a fuck about puzzle box TV. I don't want to play spot the reference. So this was just like. If you want to go full Jim Starlin, Adam Warlock, not that he's in here, but just, like, that's the vibe I got. Like, fucking weird, like, space-timey type shit. Like, the Infinity Stones are paperweights. Sure. That I loved. Um, I love that it sort of reset the rules, right? Yeah, and I loved how that was that moment for him where he's like, you know, the thing he thought gave all this power. It's like, no, here's nothing. Like, it's just, it's a a tchotchke. It's a knick-knack. Um, and like, I'm not so deep in, I had to hear from a podcast that like, for our purposes, this is not the Loki of Ragnarok. This is the Loki from infinity war. He's now an aberration and he's popped out of the timeline. So he, that's why he had to watch all that shit that Owen Wilson played for him. See anyone, anyone who's, who's seen all the stuff knows all that. But it, I didn't, it didn't impact my enjoyment of the episode, having not. No, which is, yeah, which is great. I think they did a really good job of setting it up. I mean, shouts to Owen Wilson. I'm just delighted to see that dude roll up in anything. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't think he said wow once, though, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I was super, super impressed with it. Um, fucking sure, have Tara Strong voice the... Uh, Voice Miss Minutes. <laughs> Miss Minutes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a flex. Uh, the thing is, with WandaVision and Falcon and Win-Win, anything interesting they had to say in the early episodes kind of had to get put to the side to do what it needed to do for, you know, whatever the next phase was going to be. Right? Right. We had to make Sam Captain America. We had to get Wanda to become the Scarlet Witch for real, for real, so we can set up Doctor Strange. Maybe this is just because I have no idea what this is meant to set up. Or what this is meant to feed into, if it's going to be Doctor Strange again, because we're setting up all the multiversal stuff. Um, but because I don't know what this is meant to feed into, I end up with blinders on myself, and I don't care about playing spot the reference, and I'm just enjoying, you know, fucking Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston banter with each other. Like, yeah, put those two together and just let them just let them roll. Give me a giant 
LCD robot that zaps all Hiddleston's clothes off. Do a dumb bit where, <coughs> please verify this is everything you've ever said. And then he expresses his disbelief and like a dot matrix printer spits out something else. I mean, that's the good, that felt like the good place, honestly, but. Um, and also I felt a, that, that set up that realm felt a lot like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm, right. Like taking the ticket, having to queue, like right, right, there's right. just like a lot of Hitchhiker's Guide in that, the absurdity of certain things. And that is much more, um, and that is much more at the forefront of your cultural diet and experience than it is mine. I read the books, but it's not like I read them a long time ago, and has not informed as much as my Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett are not as core to my, you know, geekery and entertainment as it has been for you. So yes, seeing that stuff for you would be like not rote, but I mean, you've seen that sort of thing done a lot. Yeah, and I and I like it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm more excited to see where it goes. Um, I am avoiding any content talking about it because I don't care. (laughs) I just don't care what you have to say about it. Not at all. And yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, you know, it was good. (laughs) It was great. It was great. I thought it was dope. I didn't think I'd be amped to settle into a Marvel show, but whether it's, Hiddleston's dreamy brown eyes, or just the the absurdity Pratchett Adams's Adamsness of it all that I haven't <laughs> seen uh, in a while that I enjoyed so much. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Are you going to save or are you going to go week to week? We haven't decided. Hmm. Uh, we might go week to week, um, but we also might be kicking ourselves. We're also getting ready to move. So we might just save it. I just save <laughs> for, it by, by default. Yeah. Uh, we might just save it and watch it after we, like, watch it in our new house once we've moved. I haven't, we haven't decided. Um, so we'll have to, we'll have to have a think about it. Have a and think. talk about it and see. Have, have a, a think. Have a think, y'all. Why don't y'all sit and have a think right now? So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to revisit Monstrous. Remember that? They we, don't. We really liked it. Yeah, you probably don't because you weren't here because we talked about it forever ago and never <laughs> and never went back to it. But we did because it's opportune June and we're going to talk about it when we come back from this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where we talk about the things that we brought each other, or in the case of Opportune June, where we re-watch, re-read, take time to re-explore things from our past. Yes. Um, This week, of course, we're going to do Monstrous, but before that, there are some rules. I'm only saying them because it's sort of tradition. (laughs) <laughs> kind of rules were thrown out the window. Um, the first rule is the rule of three, that if the thing comes in parts, we will read three of them. I think, um, and I know, Jordan, you, you listened to that episode recently. When we first did Monstrous, initially, I think it was the first three issues, or maybe it was the first volume. But I know it was super new, mm. and I wanted you to read it. Yeah, the first volume was all that was out at that point, I think, or maybe the second one. 
because it wasn't that long after that we went to um, TCAF where yeah. uh, Marjorie Lou and Son of Takeda were doing a signing and we each got the uh, the trade of the first trade and got it signed. It was so good. It was. We were out with people. <laughs> what a time. What a time that was. And we had chicken and waffles. We did. Uh, second rule is hashtag seven for the pod. And that is we won't talk about the thing before we're in front of these microphones. And we didn't really. Um, and then the third rule is there will be spoilers. So if even after all this time you are like, ah, don't spoil anything for me, you need to leave. Yes. Go watch some Poro and have some tea and cookies while he's eating Belgian chocolates. Don't watch Poro. No more, no more. <laughs> the sush takes up enough real estate on this podcast. <laughs> um, I do have to mention, though, I I set this goal for myself for what I was going to read. I did not get there. Yeah. Um, so I've read up to almost the end of volume three. Okay. Of Monstrous. Um, and I know, Jordan, That's... you have read all five volumes, no. correct? Oh. I re- you checked in with me this afternoon and said, where did you get to? Yeah. And I said, I finished the hardcover, which is up to the issue 18, which is the first three. Oh. I said I, had the, I, thought... I said I had the other two downloaded on Hoopla. Shouts to Hoopla. Free. Get a library card. Read all the comics you want on Hoopla. Um, I had them that ready That is to... my mistake, sir. I, I, I thought you... I thought you... I thought the the hardcover was the first five volumes. Nope, the hardcover is just the first three. Okay. Well, then we're good. We are on the same Basically. page, y'all. Caitlin, tells tells yeah. what monstrous is. Uh, monstrous is an ongoing epic fantasy comic series written by Marjorie Liu, Liu and drawn by Santa Takeda, uh, published since 2015 by the American publisher Image Comics. The comics is described by the Los Angeles Review of Books as, ambi- as ambitious as George R.R. R. Martin or J.R.R. R. Tolkien for its high fantasy concepts and heavy world building. Um, the series has earned many awards, which is not surprising. Um, the series is set in a matriarchal world inspired by early 20th century Asia and tells the story of Micah Halfwolf, a teenage girl who shares a mysterious psychic link with a powerful monster. The background to the story is a war between the Arcanics, magical creatures who sometimes can pass for human, and the Kumea, an order of sorceresses who consume Arcanics to fuel their power. Micah is an Arcanic who looks human and who is set on learning about and avenging her dead mother. Micah's left arm has been severed and a demon occasionally emerges from its stub. The demon who takes over her body and mind is a source of great power, but challenging for Micah to understand and control. So the first volume, which is what we talked about on the episode so long ago, um, was basically an introduction to this world. Um, and it was a much larger volume than usual because there was so much world building. I remember that. Right. Um, and the second volume uh, continues sort of this adventure to find pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say. And then the fir- third volume deals with basically the war has started. Yes. Um, so Jordan, what did you think of the continuation of Monstrous? Oh my God. So we talked about this way back on episode 62, I think. Oh my God. Double digits. 
Kate, it was just so great to be back with all your friends, all the half wolves, Kippa, yeah, Professor Tam Tam. Everybody was here. Uh, I was, I was gonna say <laughs> Professor Tam Tam, still like number one. <laughs> Professor Tam Tam, number one. <laughs> great, great teacher evaluation cards for Professor Tam Tam. Um, <laughs> listen. I was not surprised, but delighted that basically everything at the time when we talked about it, I was delighted. I said it was one of the best things I had ever read. Caitlin brought this to me. I had not heard of it before she brought it to me. I was like, where did this come from? I read it and I was like, holy shit, this is great. And everything I could say then, you could still say. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, did you like Monstrous? Do you want more? Because you can have some. Yeah. And that's what happened. And I got some more and I was like, this is great. Why did I not read this four years ago when we talked about it the first time? I am a fucking idiot. I am too smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. <laughs> I am too smart. I, I read is volume two a little while ago. I think I talked about it maybe a little bit on updates. Um, the art continues to astonish me. And I remember in the first, like it very clearly in the first first time we talked about this, you had mentioned some of the art was a little rough. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, oh, I still, but you're right. I still feel that way. There's definitely, yeah. there's definitely a panel in one of the, and I noticed it. I was like, save that one for later. Um, it was just unfinished. It was just like a sketch. Like, you know, where you just draw the spheres for people. Like <laughs> yeah. they were on a horse. I think it was the crow guy and Micah were having a conversation on horseback. And they were clearly just like the sketch, the unfinished like sketches. I she's too good to not make that a deliberate choice. Like again, I said at the time, I don't know if it's time crunch or just a stylistic thing. Because like when she's on, bah. like when she does the the demon monster thing coming out and like ripping people apart, like it's so good, it's so visceral. Or like the fucking volume two has to do with um they're going to this island i can't remember what it's called but this island through these mists they need a boat so they go to the port city and she's got her like you know godfather or whatever and he's like the other fa- the other great thing is there's like you know beast folk throughout yes um so her like godfather is this tiger dude and she needs a boat so she goes out and she's like a ferryman made up of like bones and just like mm-hmm. his look and his design and or like when the the mer people show up or like anytime there's like somebody is speaking off panel and then you know you're going to turn the page and see them for the first time yeah it's, it's going to be dope whether it was that Always. that chick in the safe harbor with the, the deer horns like her i can't yep. vin vin is that her name niv vin i can't remember her name but yeah something like that she kind of runs the port city that they are seeking refuge in or when it's, like, yeah. time to go work the shield, and it's the two, like, gray-skinned people, and, like, one of them's in, like, a mechanical wheelchair wheelchair sort of thing. It's, like, anytime somebody talks off camera and you're going to turn the page, you're going to see something dope. Because it's going to – anytime yeah. you see somebody for the first time, it's going to be dope. And even, like, the the cats. <laughs> Just I love the way she does the cats because they're, they're cats, but they have occasional hu- – what we would say human mannerisms. Yes. Um, or, like – you know, Professor Tam Tam, <laughs> the way Professor Tam Tam teaches a class or something like, or the kittens are like drawing a sketch of something like I just, yeah, the, the choices she makes are fantastic. And then her, the covers, I'm almost, I'm jealous because even I, I can't afford to buy these in English and French. 
<laughs> but the French covers are different than the English ones. Oh, really? And they are – oh, they're beautiful. Maybe they use um, an issue cover for the volume cover for, mm. for French. I'm not sure. But uh, anyways, just the art in this thing is just ridiculously good. Did you uh, – were you reading the hardcover altogether or were you reading – No. No, I was I, – I had volume – like I said, I read volume two. I actually purchased. It was for my birthday oh. two years ago. Maybe a Christmas. Um, and then this third volume I I read digitally. Um, because the hardcover has like some of her initial sketches. And like like when they were first like hashing out the visual look of the book. Um, and yeah. those are just unbelievable. Um, and she just in the corner, she's just written um because I think in Marjorie's note, she's like, I didn't know how these were going to look. I didn't know how we could depict them, blah, blah, blah. And you flip through the page and it's one of Takeda's early sketches. And in the bottom is just written Kaiju. Like that's how, <laughs> I think that's how she envisioned them. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Kaiju just means monster. So maybe that's just how, maybe in her mind, the name of the book is Kaiju. I don't know. But yeah, the artwork is, you never notice even when it, even if you – sorry. What I mean to say is even if you do notice a panel that looks unfinished or rushed or something like that, it never takes you out of it. You don't – I never no. give a shit. Um, like I said, second volume is like a quest sort of thing where it's like her mother went to this island when she was out traveling the globe looking for the – so help, help me piece together some of the details of the narrative now for the for myself and for the folks at home. Because a lot of this wasn't exceptionally clear in the first volume, but then it gets more clear the deeper you go into the book. Right. I will try. There's a lot, folks. There's a lot. It's a big story, y'all. Um, basically, the first, I guess, Arcanic, that would be the first half-ancient, half-human, was the Shaman Empress. That sounds right. And that is who Micah is descended from. On, yep. on her father's side, her mother deliberately went out to get knocked up by by a uh, descendant of the shaman empress I, yes so, so i believe that that sounds right so she could have that power at her disposal for what ends we don't know you see scenes that look like uh uh moriko was that her name we don't know the aunt's name right we don't know the sister's name we know her name was moriko um yeah. the sister is just blade of the east or whatever um they are both uh, she's the granddaughter of the Queen of Wolves. Yeah. Which is one of the rulers on the ancient Beast Folk side of things. Um, so, yes. And at some point, we know Moriko had gone to this island, which is just the bones of a dead god, to get some sort of, like, information. I think to find out how to get pregnant with a descendant of the Shaman Empress. Because all Moriko wanted was to find the secrets of the Shaman Empress. Um for a weapon or for whatever, which is Zin, which is the demon that lives or the old God that lives is bonded to Micah. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the second book <laughs> as, yeah. as, you know, and then even then, like I, I, so I had read the first two volumes and starting the third volume, I'm like, what the fuck was going on? Oh, I, I <laughs> start, like, I started, like I started from jump. I read the, I reread the whole oh, thing. Okay. It, which is probably the best way to do it, but going to the third volume after it's been a while since I read the second volume, I was like, wait, what, why are they, wait, how did they get here? I remembered, I remembered the island. I remembered the, he was a fox god. 
Yes. And the tricking him and the getting away and the mer people. Yes. Um yeah, and what I also really like <laughs> sorry, this is I mean this is there's like I said, there's a lot. And I actually I, think and, that and that's I just fine. as you were saying that, I just remembered like, oh, plus also like, you know, the uh religious witch order who are actually old gods but nobody knows like or yep. they, they have old gods in them all that's popping off at the same time and they want to go to war with the uh, arcanics and the ancients again so they can you know get all that sweet lilum or whatever it is that they that they eat for magic yep. and it basically just ends uh, up ends the hardcover ends with this huge like cataclysmic old god beast of a thousand eyes coming out of the sky type of thing <laughs> Yeah, that whole last sequence at the in the like the culmination of the hardcover, I was like, this is just fantastic graphic storytelling. And 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 what I always think coming away from reading it is, you cannot make this unless you made it into a and like unless you were to create an anime or yeah, oh it god, yeah, be. don't. I'm sure there have been inquiries uh, from. IP covetous IP hoarders out there who yeah. uh, who would want to do something with this. I trust that they are both aware of the sort of lightning they have in this book. And you know, it's like Brian Vaughn always said about Saga. It's like, well, who knows? We'll see if this holds true in the long run. Things change all the time. But he has always said he would never license Saga because it was made to be a comic book. Yeah, and this—that's the same with this story. I couldn't imagine it, even even as a cartoon. I don't think, or animated, I don't think it it would hold the same feeling. No, I agree. It's almost like you're being recounted some like ancient saga, some ancient tale from long ago. Even the way it's drawn, right? And, um, and this is the thing about that's so great about image books and creator own books is like anything from the big two these days, most of the time, even if it's a new story or a new character starting from the ground up, you know, the creative team rarely gets a chance to kind of build anything like this. Cause they're in and out mm-hmm. in like six to 12 issues, right enough for, you know, make enough for the trade and get out. Um, you know, every piece of decor, every building in that city, every, every character, every ship, that's all coming from, you know, one person. Yeah. Like she's doing all of that. Yeah. And, 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 and even like we, I know we've been talking a lot about the art and the style, the storytelling is fantastic. I love the swearing <laughs> to me, just like the, the F bombs everywhere. Um, even when that ancient guardian is like, you can't fucking pass. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. That this like massive dragon Guardian is just telling right, them right, to go right. fuck themselves. <laughs> right. He turns into like fucking Alec Baldwin and Glenn, Harry Glenn Ross. He's like, <laughs> he's like, the only way you're, it's like a giant sea dragon made of bones. And he's like, the only yeah. fucking way you're coming through this ocean is if you have a fucking clearance from the fucking queen. And I know you fucking don't. So fuck off. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I just, I love that. There's these moments of humor and, and even like horror. Like there's this, you find out the cat is working for like some amazingly bush bushy cat <laughs> king. I don't know. And like he sticks his head in that 
box of cat hats. But, but that's like, that's not that's not even who he's working for. Is it the doctor they keep talking about? Like, like the doctor will know. be. Please? I don't know. And yeah, I and just to double back on one thing that we said last time, and is it's true? Eighteen issues in, as it was six. Protect Kippa. Oh God, Kippa. Kippa, if you don't make it through, Kippa's story is developing. Kippa's getting a little getting a little edge on her. This is the fox yeah. girl that is initially escapes from some sort of which which order slave camp with uh with Micah in the early issues and then just kind of refuses to leave her, but is splitting a bit. Yep. She's discovered uh her folks, the refugees of this port city that they that they end up in. Um as the war comes to them and all the people Micah has murdered on the way slowly decide to uh no longer take kindly to being indiscriminately murdered by her. Yeah. God, this thing's good. <laughs> and she's still got to meet up with Tuya. <laughs> yeah, Tuya's about to marry her fucking aunt. Like, yeah. All this is to say, like I said at the top, everything we said about Monstrous from issues one through six is still true. Yeah. And like I said, if you are in Canada and you have a library card, maybe if you're anywhere and you have a library card, go. Download Hoopla. Selectively, be smart with your downloads. You get seven. Uh, you get seven borrows a month, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. Don't borrow volumes one through three. Borrow the hardcover, which gets you all eighteen issues for one borrow. Yeah. And then you get two more. You know, take two more of your seven borrows for volumes five and six, and you have read everything available. And in Hamilton, you can do the same, and they're waving. The if you want to if you want to take them out, they're waiving the late fees. Oh, if you want to pick them up at your local library, well, it's just real good. Yeah, it's real good. And frankly, I mean, I'm I'm not in the comics discourse much. I don't know how many people are talking about this book, but I feel like y'all aren't talking about it enough. Yeah, it's because they're not making a TV show out of it. Probably. That that sucks. It's not you a license. Suck. There's not a YouTube video you can make about uh, you know references to fucking Invincible or something that you found in it. Like the Image Multiverse. It's in Monsters. We have to talk about wolf-headed people. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I thought you were serious for a second. <laughs> I was like, we do. What about them? <sighs> Monstrous. <laughs> We do. What about them? Oh, that's highlight for today. Monstrous is a smooth nine for me. Yeah, it's. I can't remember what I gave it last time. Nine, ten. I'm. I'd be surprised if I didn't give it a ten. And still, um, yeah. Still, so much, so much story left to tell. Like I don't know how much more Marjorie sees in this story, but I hope they hope they're around for a while because it's. It's some good funny books, y'all. Yeah. So, if you decide to pick up Monstrous on our recommendations, like some of you decided to go and check out the Chai record I mentioned last week, and you were very happy with it. Oh, nice. We're, we're tastemakers, Kate. We're fucking tastemakers. Okay, meanwhile, here you are telling me, to, to, telling people not to go watch Poirot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just answered your own question. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Friends, let us know all the ways we've improved your lives on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Get up off Twitter. 
Otherwise, we'll be back next week to continue Opportune June. It rolls on for another two episodes. Um, ooh, and yeah, we're going we're going back in the vaults again, y'all. For another early, might have been the first perfect ten ever on this program. I think it might have been Kate. I think it might have been. I, I, you know what? Because my memory, I like my brain has holes in it. I have no idea. I'm so excited. Yes. I know we talked about it. <laughs> do you remember what we're doing next week? No, I have no idea. I'm like, what? What, oh what did we do? What was the perfect end? Oh my God. It's got trains, Caitlin. <laughs> well, friends, we got to wrap up so I can tell Caitlin what she's watching next week. <laughs> Otherwise, we thank you so much for spending an hour with us during these uncertain times. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. My OnlyFans. I need to do some research into that. I'm sure you have already. (laughs) I'm I'm scrapping all that. Fuck it.